Welcome to Five on the Floor, a daily insider show on the Miami Heat and the NBA featuring Ethan Skolnick, Greg Sylvander, and Alex Toledo, plus others from the Five Reasons Sports Network. Welcome to the latest episode of Five on the Floor of the Five Reasons Sports Network. Thanks for joining us on your favorite podcast app. We're on Podbean, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts. We're also on Dash Radio on their Nothing But Net channel. That's every single weeknight at 7 p.m. Also, check out the Five Reasons YouTube channel. Subscribe there for free. We do before floor, an hour before every heat game. And, of course, post up five hours as soon as the heat game ends. Also, FiveReasonsSports.com. Latest takeaways from Brady Hawk. Also, a new article is up there right now from Louis Sung about the Dolphin season and the five things that they should be doing this offseason. They probably won't listen and they probably won't make the playoffs again. Also, check out our great sponsors, including Water Cleanup of Florida. If you're a South Florida property owner and you got an insurance claim, you might be dealing with water mold or fire damage. You got to find a reputable, fully licensed, insured and certified contractor Water cleanup of Florida is here for you 24 hours a day. When a disaster strikes in your home or business, you need specialized, fast, and reliable services. Water cleanup of Florida understands the impact and stress that an unexpected disaster may cause. They got over 60 years of combined experience. Michael, Robert, and the crew up there in Boca Raton, and they can handle any size disaster. They're third-generation contractors in South Florida, so they want to maintain their sterling reputation. They will do the job for you. They'll make the process as painless and hassle-free as possible. They're also a licensed building contractor, so they can provide the A to Z service and one-stop shopping that busy homeowners and business owners require. So call Michael anytime on his personal cell that's at 954-579-0356 that's 954-579-0356 follow him on twitter at water cleanup fl if you've got the schmutz they got the guts and now today's episode all right, Ethan Skolnick back on five on the floor. Here's tonight's floor plan. We have Greg Sylvander. You've already heard his voice. We've also got Brady Hawk. His appearances here on five on the floor are brought to you by the attorney, Eric Rubenstein. You can reach out to Eric at his number. Again, that's 954-829-ERIC, 954-829-ERIC for Eric. That's not the Spolster. That's the Rubenstein. You can also uh, check him out on Instagram. and. He's the guy you want to go to if you've got any kind of personal injury situation, car accident, slip and falls, medical malpractice, or more, 954-829-ERIC. All right, we got Brady. We got Greg. Let's get to it tonight. Um, this is a happy podcast uh, because the Miami Heat are really well positioned right now. They are 8-2 and two against the other best teams in the league. If you put, put the Utah Jazz in there, as well as the Golden State Warriors, the Phoenix Suns, who they just beat in a rousing victory on Saturday night, shot the lights out, surprised everybody but Greg, who picked them by one on before floor. We have, actually have the clip to prove it. Uh, they've also beaten the Chicago Bulls a couple times, even though one of those was a little bit weird because it was kind of the COVID game. They've also beaten the Milwaukee Bucks two out of three games, even though those games were a little weird both ways. Um, and they've beaten the Brooklyn Nets 
once the one time that they played him, uh, even though Kyrie Irving was not available there, but still it's impressive eight and two. And if you extrapolate it out further, yes, they lost to Memphis has been one of the better teams in the league, but they also beat Philadelphia. They beat Philadelphia on the road without many of their best players. So that's nine and three. If you even branch it out a little bit further and they've done this, even though they haven't had their best players for many games, they haven't had uh, Jimmy Butler for several of those, and they haven't had Bam out of bio. And sometimes they haven't had either of them. And against, I think it was like, what was it? Well, Kyle, I think missed one of the games against those teams too. So they've missed a ton of players, obviously haven't had Morris Deadman's been out for some of them. Other guys have been coming back for protocols and they're playing really well against the good teams. This is a trend that they had two years ago prior to the COVID break. They were beating a lot of good teams. It is counter to the trend that they had in the 2005-2006 season when they couldn't beat any good teams. And they were actually wondering internally whether they'd be able to do that in the postseason until Dwayne Wade just went nuclear in the playoffs and made it all right. So it's not necessarily indicative of what you're going to do in the postseason but it's certainly a good sign. So we're going to actually turn it over to Greg today. I'm going to let him take the lead on these. He's going to give you five reasons. You know why? Five reasons why this is happening. And we're going to let Brady kind of chime in on some of these. And I'll be mostly in the background. So Greg, number one, why are they playing so well against the best teams in the league? So these are in no particular order. I want to preface by saying that uh, I think that there are some that are more important than others, but I, and I'm sure that there are a lot of NBA minds, Brady Hawk included that can likely get into the X's and O's of why it's happening. Essentially it's just PJ hammer screens, but no, anyway, the actual reasons that I came up with are more kind of top level. And, uh, and the first thing that jumps out at me at, at why this team has the ability to play well against these really good rosters uh, the DNA of this team is three and D uh, and that mix of being able to rely on your defense night overnight, and then having these three point shooters uh, that at any moment can just turn it on. And all of a sudden you can have an avalanche of three point shots. I just think that that's a really good mix. And against these top teams, when you're undermanned, sometimes you got to lean into that, which is what they did against Phoenix. So, so that was like the first thing is that just that I think straight up from a roster construction perspective, we said that this team matched up well with the contenders in the East. We've now branched this out to the West as well, but that, that was kind of where I wanted to start. Um, and if, do you want me to just go through these? I know that we're kind of no, going let, off the let, cuff let Brady, let Brady jump in on number one, I, I, just in terms of sort of the three and D mix of this group. Yeah. And I think it's funny because we're talking about three and D and I'm, just said before the show, I don't want to go too far into PJ Tucker because we're going to save him, but that's the PJ Tucker description. And he's been amazing for this team. Uh, but it's basically how it's spread around the whole team. And I think it's a little bit recently biased because we're thinking about this past game against Phoenix. Uh, but the three was, was falling frequently for the whole team. And I think that's where you need to start, where it feels like in so many of these, these post-game pods or these post-game pressures, you sit there and you ask, you know, Eric Swolster and you say, why are they shooting so many threes? But against the best teams, they've also been making a lot of threes. So it's like a very good formula for this team. Uh, and obviously defensively, you see, once again, a guy like P.J. Tucker who held Devin Booker one for five shooting. Uh, and you have all these other guys like Caleb Martin, who's just in the grill of, of a Stephen Curry, who kind of basically t- takes him out of his game, which is not something he's done often. They basically have a team full of three and D guys. And if it's not in the terms of, of straight three and D specifically, it's just as a team, as a roster uh, as a description. So I think that's just the most important thing. Uh, I, I think the 
what it basically says is that there's balance. Like there's, this is a different heat team. We've talked about in the past where they had lineups where they had a lot of three point shooters, but they had a point of attack issues because they were going so three point heavy. They've also had lineups where you had Nandre Guadala at the four where the three wasn't all the way there, but they had a lot of defense. Now they have a team that has both. And I think you're seeing these guys that probably might not even be in the rotation playoff wise, but they have an ability to plug in on either side of that floor. Yeah. And when we talk about three, without the D although not not that he's not playing any defense because he is playing defense obviously and and he's proved in this area but when you talk about the three we talk about say Duncan Robinson right and and the way it was described to me as I was talking to heat officials this week about Duncan is is his value at this point lies mostly in the fact that other teams are scared to death that he's going to hit 10 threes against them. It, it, it's not, it, it's not normal. Okay. What their expectation level is. And so they overplay him to such a degree. And then as I was talking to a heat official about that, he then went out and made eight and he kind of proved the point. And, and I think that is kind of what we're getting at is that there is a fear factor with the heat shooters. If we just talk about the three part of this, that even on the nights that they're not hitting or Duncan in particular, hasn't been hitting or Tyler or Struess, there is this concern that to different degrees with Duncan being at the top of that, that they're going to get loose. And that does create things for other players now, but that's the whole reason for the, the way this team was built is that Bam and Jimmy do not provide that. And so these guys are supposed to provide that for them when they get back. And this team at the height of its powers should have a Jimmy and Bam led attack that is basically facilitated by all of these shooters spreading the floor for them and creating space. But, but I think, I know we don't want to deep dive into Tucker too much today because we are saving that for another episode, but you're right, Brady. I mean, it is pretty much, he has embodied exactly what they're trying to do. Okay. Because he gives you both in the same player and, and you're right. They didn't have that last season. They tried to recreate Jay Crowder with Trevor Ariza, but he didn't give you enough offensively. And then defensively was too wiry to play some of the guys that they needed to play against. And and they had too many of these guys where it was like, okay, you're either going with offense or you're going with defense this year. You can put a guy like Kyle Lowry on the floor and you know, you're going to get scoring, you're going to get playmaking, but you're also going to get defense. And it is pretty much eliminated uh, their bigger problems. So Greg, I, I'm with you on this. I think it's, it's critical. It's the way these teams kind of need to be built these days. Um, and it looks like they threaded the needle properly on this for a team that will have Bam and Jimmy back eventually. All right. Number two. Number two. Uh, so this team plays up to the comp in ways to the competition and they've actually played down to the competition at times as well collectively as a group, whether they have their full cast of characters or not, I feel like you can always expect them to play up against like they got up for the golden state game. And I know they had Jimmy for, for most of that game, they got up for the Phoenix game. I feel like there's a, there's a part of the heat that thrives in that, um, in that role of kind of the forgotten or not taken, um, not taken as a true contender, like that kind of, they thrive off that energy. Um, and truthfully, like, I think that I should package two and three together because they're so fundamental. Um, the role players on this team, uh, we talk about playing up to comp. So these are guys that like other broadcasts around the league are saying, how do the heat find these guys? These role players are going up against a lot of teams' best players, and they're not intimidated. They're not intimidated by big games. They're not intimidated by big moments within big games. And even though they're matched up against, you know, a Devin Booker or a Chris Paul, and I know that that was Kyle Lowry essentially, but uh, 
and this is recent, but you, you could definitely see that like Max Struess, um, he was chirping over at the Portland bench and, and, and he thinks he belongs. And, and, and so that's just a big part of this is that the role players, um, they're not scared. I'm Brady. Can I get into this first? Because I, and then I want to yeah. get the strategy point because this plays into something. When I was talking to heat officials, this came up and uh, I, I think this is instructive. You have certain role players who have always been role players, right? Like the, I mean, that's just what they've been uh, over the course of, of their careers and, and even going back a little bit further. And they may be more beta personalities, right? Because they haven't been thrust into kind of an alpha type role. Well, the difference with this group is like when you talk to people who talk to Max Struess, Max thinks he's as good as pretty much anybody out there. He's he's an alpha personality. Caleb Martin, when he was asked about his defense, and I remember you talking to him about it, Brady, and then he said it again at a press conference, he's like, well, I used to score a lot before. Gabe Vincent when he was Namdi with the Nigerian team was the guy with the ball in his hands against the U S okay. These are not beta role players. These are alpha role players. And, and I think that's intentional for the heat because another conversation I had about this was that if you go back to the Oh five Oh six changes that were made that I hated at the time. And of course I was wrong because they want a title until I was right. The thing imploded, but they got the title first. Okay. So that's for Sedano who's been holding this over me for 15 years, but the decision that they made in the Oh five off season was they didn't have enough alpha types. Okay. Uh, that, you know, the Eddie thing had gone. Eddie Jones was not an alpha personality, great player, uh, made a lot of money, scored a lot of points, really good defender, good guy but not an alpha personality. Okay. And they've had some who have not Jamal Mashburn was not that either. Um, they made a decision that it just wasn't going to work anymore with Eddie. They, they gave him an opportunity, uh, you know, to carry, well, not by choice, but when Dwayne hurt his rib cage in the Eastern conference finals in 2005 and he couldn't carry. Okay. And then they had to rush Dwayne back and we know what happened there. And they lost to Detroit. They made a decision. They had to change it. So they brought in Jason Williams, alpha Antoine Walker, alpha personality, Gary Payton, the ultimate alpha personality, James Posey, alpha role player. Okay. In terms of the way that he approached things, even though he didn't necessarily need to score, but his mentality, they brought in that group together and yes, they had issues, but ultimately they won a title together. Now these guys don't have those pedigrees, but they have similar type personalities. It's a bulldog type personality, whether it's Vincent Martin, uh, Struess, and I think that is a big part of this. Now, that also lends the question. Duncan Robinson is not an alpha personality. When you talk to people around him or you just know him, Bam is not necessarily an alpha personality. But I think they have enough with these, with Jimmy and Lowry who are leading this group that they take on that type of mentality. Brady, I'll let you go to the X's and O's, but I just wanted to get that in. Yeah, and I think the funny thing about it is when you think about those players you're mentioning, we're talking about Caleb Martin, Max Struess, Gabe Vincent, we remembered certain games that they had, that they had big games. We think of Caleb Martin, he had 28 against Milwaukee in like a pretty big game where they didn't have guys. Uh, Gabe Vincent had the big game uh, against Philly, had the big game against Chicago. Uh, Max Schroes seems like he always just has big games. It's just about minutes. But I think the interesting thing is those are three guys that have really improved. Like if we're putting this in a box, we're talking about 41 games played, we're halfway through the season they have really improved like in the small aspect of things like Max Schurz, I think is probably the, the most different one because I feel like it is just more minutes. Like I feel like more reps 
he's always kind of had this in him. And you're talking about that alpha it kind of all lines up, but gave Vincent, uh, he's just cleared the protocols. And I think that's a big thing. He was having some of his, probably his best part of the season, just a two week period before he went out. And I think that's an interesting part, but he's improved handles. He's improved just utilizing screens. The shot is falling. Like everything's falling in line right there. And then obviously Kayla Martin, I think the biggest thing is just the three, because we've talked about so much. We talked about the defensive things that could possibly pop up. We've talked about him being an athlete and the different things he could plug into being a plug and play guy. But the thing is his three ball falling has pretty much changed everything for this team. So it just seems like that's what makes this thing interesting comparing to Eric Spolscher, because it is going to be decision time. Like this is not an easy decision to make. Of course, it's a good one to have. It's a good problem to have. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. But these are a lot of guys that you can utilize, and they can be utilized in different matchups, and I think it is going to be uh, matchup dependent. But just seeing these guys being able to be literal plug-and-play guys that are not just one-dimensional anymore, like that's the biggest thing about this and why they're able to play the competition and not, you know, be scared of the competition. And to that point, Brady, there's one thing to be plug and play guys in the regular season, but you have to have a per- certain personality type to be a plug and play guy in the playoffs. That's, that's a different thing. And we have seen the playoffs tell that, that that's always the phrase that I've used. And I heard, and I use the playoffs tell, they, they tell you who you can rely on and who you can't. And when you're, when you're a contending organization, when you're the Sacramento Kings, it doesn't matter. Okay, when you're the Phoenix Suns uh, prior to last year, all those years that Eddie Johnson was broadcasting for them, it didn't matter. Uh, But right. Sorry, I had to do that. But but for (laughs) I had to do that for you, Greg, I'm sorry. Um, But but for 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 the heat, it matters like the playoffs tell. Okay, you get a sense of who's up to the moment and who's not. And in this case, I think that these guys, if they turn to them, will be up to the moment. They're also still young enough that it's not like the situation with the 06 heat, where if they don't play, they're going to get crotchety. Like we had that situation with Shandon Anderson and Derek Anderson in the 06 postseason. These were veteran guys and they were kind of pushed out of the rotation. They weren't in the rotation and they were angry about it. They weren't happy about it. Uh, we also saw that a little bit with the big three teams, James Jones, Mike Miller, although they understood quietly, they weren't so thrilled about it. These guys, I mean, they owe their careers in many ways to Eric Spolster in the heat. I think that they're going to trust them a little bit more. All right, we've got a new sponsor here. We have this product code we tell you about all the time, 5RSN, and that's where you can get your premium CBD with Therapist Preferred and get 25% off. Or... You can that's therapistpreferred.com, or you can go to manscaped.com, get all your grooming products for 20% off with 5RSN. Well, here's the new one. It's called Salise. It's called Salise. Okay. This is where uh, you want to go if you're, particularly if you're an endurance runner, but if you're any kind of weekend warrior. Okay. Cause when you sweat, you lose electrolytes. And sometimes like Gatorade, it's just not enough. Okay. You got to stay hydrated and energized, especially in environments like South Florida, hot and humid. 
And so you got, you got to replace those so that you don't have dehydration, fatigue, and muscle weakness. So this is a new hydration supplement. Okay. They've got a proprietary, I'm going to get this word right on the 12th time I do this ad. I promise you. They got a proprietary endurance release formula. Okay. It's the only hydration product designed to microdose a complete blend of five essential, five reasons, five essential electrolytes over time to give you the vital nutrition that you need. It's sugar-free. Okay. And it's got no artificial colors or flavors either. So you'll be able to digest it. So check it out. It's at get Salise. That's get S A L I S.com. Get S A L I S.com. Use the code, same product code five RSN, and you get 10% off to give this thing a shot. So go to get Salise.com five RSN. Use that code for 10% off. And of course our codes are still working that same code at therapistpreferred.com and at manscaped.com. All right, let's get to number three, Greg. So the, the, this is a big one. And, you know, with Jimmy out and with Bam out, there's been one consistent factor. And I know game, that there's certain games that he's missed, but it's this is a Kyle Lowry-driven team. And that, it's so, uh, there's such a stark difference between the point guards that have been in rotations in Miami uh, over the last few years and what we're seeing from Kyle. Because just his availability this year, has impacted these other guys and picked them up and brought them forward in a way where if Kyle wasn't here, I honestly don't know that all of these undrafted and, and kind of guys that nobody's ever heard of and, and announcers ask where they found them. I'm going to keep talking about that. Um, like, I don't know that they would be playing that good. If Kyle wasn't here, just having that balancing factor a guy that directs traffic that has the mentality that kyle does i think that like it's an extension of jimmy in a different way than jimmy but it's just been helpful when you have a season where jimmy and bam have been out so much and i know we've documented that so well it's this has been about kyle lowry and uh, i think brady has probably even more specific information as it relates to how kyle does this because to me it's just unbelievable to watch it's like a, a, it's a renaissance back to the timmy hardaway days yeah, and I want to say first, so they are 8-2 against the top six teams that we're talking about. Five of those, they haven't had Bam. And Jimmy is almost, I think he's played in four and a half of those if we're counting Golden State. So this is a very small sample size of the guys they've had. Larry has played in all 10. So I think that gives you an idea of how just available he's been in that sense. Uh, and I think the most interesting stat you can look at is across those 10 games, he's averaging over nine assists, which is just incredible because – we're talking about them not having Bam and Jimmy. Like they have a bunch of role players that they're surrounding him with and he's winning these games. And as Greg, you just pointed out, he's just totally elevating them in that way. And I think that's just the most interesting part about this, that he's able to kind of get you these wins. Of course, Tyler's been a big piece of it. And PJ has been a big piece of it. They've had a lot of big pieces of it, but Kyle is just the consistent force that keeps them in. And I think, um, schematically it's interesting because they put him in different spaces as well. You compared him to Jimmy in a lot of ways, but it's funny because, uh, PJ is a big part of what they're doing playmaking wise, but they also are sticking Kyle in almost like a, a post position. In a lot of ways where they're putting him on that wing three and telling him, you don't have to play make with your, with your face to the basket and the ball facing forward. We're going to put your back to the basket and see what you can do. And he does it at a really high level, even being just around six foot. So they're like Spolstra. I know we're going to get into him in a second, but it's like, he's experimenting with Kyle as well. Then he's, he can basically use him as a freelance guy that when you're plugging in, a guy like Kyle Lowry, you compare him to old, you know, past point guards that they've had, you're not looking for a scoring boost. It's not a go on drug. It's like, can you get will them and give you 30? This is Kyle Lowry. Can you settle the team when you come in in your minutes? Can you elevate the other guys? And he's done that 
basically in every game he has played, it's basically been a consistent scoring. Like if you look back at the logs of all 10 games, it's around probably 16, 14, he'll have a 20 thrown in there, but that doesn't even matter because it's just everything else that he does and what he brings. You know, the other thing about it is we, we had, uh, we were doing pods like three, four weeks ago and kind of questioning if Kyle was enjoying himself. And there was a story that came out with Mark Spears and Jeff Zilgit, stuff we'd heard behind the scenes about his transition. I feel like he's having more fun now, like leading this sort of, I don't want to call him ragtag, but you know, it's it, it, like he's, he likes developing guys. Like his, his, his affection for Fred Van Vliet, which comes across like it's, it seems like he embraces this, like this is, and, and to a certain degree, it's what Chris Paul does too. But I, I feel like uh, Chris Paul can be a little more toxic than Kyle can uh, and tough to play with. Like it's, it's, and and Kyle has that edge to him too. Certainly even people who know him well will say that. Uh, But it just feels like he's enjoying this. Like he's, he's embracing this role. And I think that's going to help a lot once Jimmy and Bam are back because now Kyle has been in position to lead this group. So he's fully integrated now. Like, whereas I think if he was on the floor with Jimmy and Bam the whole time, he still would have been feeling his way. But now like the, the, the path cleared for him. Like there's nobody else that they can look to right. Other than PJ. Um, But Kyle's got the ball in his hands all the time. So I I just, I just feel like that connection uh, that he's been able to develop with some of these young guys will pay off down the road. Yeah, no, that's a really great point. And you know, who else is enjoying this entire experience and, and is somebody who um, I think thrives when maybe there is a little bit of chaos and the rosters is up and down, but, um, and that's the next guy we're going to talk about Mm -hmm. Eric Spolstra. Um, I think that he has enjoyed this stretch a lot, just like Kyle has. So they're one in the same in that, in that way. And truthfully, as I started to catalog all the Spo years, and I know we're only 41 games through, so it's exactly half the season and there's a lot of basketball to be played. I get that. This right now through 41 games is Eric Spolster's best coaching job of his career, mm-hmm. I think. Like I'm ready to go there, I think, because um, of the developmental stuff that's taking place, mm-hmm. the way that the curveballs keep coming and they just keep figuring out ways. I bet it helps a lot to have Kyle kind of quarterbacking that thing while, while uh, you know, you have such instability uh, game over game with the roster. But to me, like I know Spo probably Ethan, you're right. Like I, I was listening to this uh, it's clay day and I'm, I was listening to the golden state Cleveland broadcast. And they mentioned that Cleveland has 22 wins right now. And that's as many wins as they had all last year. Mm-hmm. You're right, Ethan. He's probably not going to get coach of the year because Cleveland and teams like that, that are doubling their win totals or whatever that will turn out to be. But to me, I don't know that Spo's ever done a better job. I'm with you. The only reason I'm hesitant here is because I think we kind of declared him coach of the year or or they should be two years ago in the COVID season. And then they kind of fell off right before COVID. And then of course they went three and five in the bubble before the the bubble playoffs. And so the momentum was lost there, but, but Brady, I, I, I think from a tactical perspective, you've documented this stuff all year, how many different adjustments he's had to make offensively and defensively just based on the roster. Everybody talks about lineups. I mean, lineups are, I mean, uh, yeah, lineup combinations matter. Roles matter. uh, Communication with players certainly matters. Uh, But he's also had to, he's had to sort of, the X's and O's chops have had to be there this year because I mean, there's a certain games that, I mean, I I, just to one example, like you, you talked about this, what he did with Omer yesterday is totally counter 
to what you would have suggested. Like even what we were talking about before the game, we're like, they're going to spam pick and rolls against all yeah. the whole game. And he's going <laughs> to, they make it, they're going to make him unplayable. And instead like Spo flipped the thing on its head and made Omer made Omer an asset in the game when we thought he was going to be a detriment, not, not because Omer's a bad player, but because uh, of certain limitations he has that Phoenix in particular was going to be able to exploit. Yeah. And looking at this more specifically against the top teams, it almost feels like coaches kind of tighten down a lot when you play a better team, like there's less creative things going on. You're not experimenting as much Spolster this season. It feels like he experiments more against the better teams. It's just like what he's done. And I think, there's three games that kind of stuck out to me. It was the one uh, against the Bulls where after the timeout, he had that that play drawn up at the end of the game, which ended up sealing it, where the, all the guys lined up on the opposite side. He inbounded, so they went back to Lowry. It was one of the better plays of the season. That was a big one. The other one that comes to mind is the Utah game, which he basically saved the Utah game at home earlier in the season when uh, the guards, and obviously Donovan Mitchell is the reason, they were basically torching Miami. And what he did was he ended up putting – Tucker on Gobert and every time they would just switch it and Tucker would be in Donovan's face and they'd have to once in a while force into Gobert and that's not his strength. They ended up winning in that second half because of that adjustment. They had no basically response to that. And the third one is the one you just touched on, which is Omer's passing yesterday. Like they basically, they've been so uh, it's been expected almost in their offense. Every single game, they're going to go through Tucker when it's not Lowry, they're going to work the ball through him and have him play making the same spot on the floor and they basically, from the start of the game yesterday, said they're going to put Tucker in the dunker spot this time around, put Omer in the, in the elbow on the wing, and they're going to basically work everything through Omer Yurtsman, which they've never done up to this point. It's not something you'd expect and say, hey, Omer, pick apart one of the league's better defenses and just see where it goes. He put that trust in them. And what was it, seven assists early on in the first half? Like, that is just not a normal thing to do against the best team in the league where you put a trust in a guy that was not even on the roster last season. And you have him pick apart a defense. And I just, it just feels like there's probably a lot more that should come to mind. Like he just does these creative things. They, they have worked. Uh, and it's basically the biggest reasons why they've won these games. You can go over so many of them and you, you touched on it. They've had to flip so many things. It's not as much as lineups, but it's just when you don't have a PJ and a BAM, where do you go? Like, and he's figured that out where you don't have a Duncan and a Struess because they're in protocols. Where do you go? He goes to, they find a Kyle guy and it works out. Like, he's found ways to plug different positions on the floor and they just really worked. And I think that says a lot about the roster, what they have on the roster, but also it's just mainly on Eric Spolster and why he's had just such an incredible season. Yeah. And, and, and the, the crazy thing about this is that, uh, you know, when it's funny, cause I, I was at the dolphin game today and, you know, when Brian Flores, one of, one of my issues of Brian Flores and the Dolphins is that when they have expectations, uh, they, they, they don't play as well. And when the expectations are released, then everything is, is fine. Uh, and they play loose so much. Right. And, but, but with, with this team, it's like, uh, it, it's both right. Like with Spolster, like, okay. It's when, when there are expectations, uh, they've found a way he's found a way to, to live up to it and be, like you said, more creative. You're playing against the Chicago team. It's a game that you kind of have to win and you have Lonzo ball running totally the other direction to make that, that eight, you know, that ATO play, you know, that, that side out of bounds play. Uh, and then like you mentioned in other games where like you could have fallen totally flat on your face doing this stuff and looked ridiculous, especially in some of these national TV games. And, and he just doesn't care at this point. I think this is, uh, this is the freedom that comes with, with being a head coach now for what is it? 13, 14 seasons and knowing that your position is secured and that you can try some different things, but also, and I've said this before on this podcast, also 
most of these guys owe their careers to him. I, I don't think we can overstate that. Like this is different than the big three heat. Those guys, even the veteran guys came here, Battier, Allen, Mil- uh, Miller, Jones, it was here earlier, but some of the other guys that they brought in, they had already Richard Lewis. They had built reputations in other places. Okay. They didn't owe anything to Eric Spolstra. This group though, they owe it to him with the exception of Lowry and Jimmy and Tucker, who and Tucker kind of does too, because as yeah. we're going to talk about For in a this full episode tomorrow, he's unlocked PJ Tucker in a way that like no other coach, all the coaches that PJ's had. I mean, the most creative thing that was done with PJ was PJ, we don't have any bigs anymore. Go play the five. I mean, that's basically what D'Antoni did to him in Houston. They, they, he has unlocked things with PJ Tucker. So he owes him a certain amount too. But the other guys, I mean, Duncan Robinson, Max Struess, to a certain extent, Bam and, and Hero, who were, you know, mid first round picks, uh, Gabe Vincent, Omer Yurtsevin. I mean, they owe their careers to Eric. I mean, and to the guys, and obviously, you know, the cameras and, and the Adam Simons and others who found these guys. But that is, that's a different kind of authority that you have with a team like that. And also, you know, unlike when some of those veterans came to Miami, at this point, he's a two time champion coach who's coached, you know, LeBron and Dwayne and Chris Bosch and other hall of famers. And so it, it comes with a certain level of respect and credibility that you're going to listen to the guy. So I, I agree with you. He's at the, he's at sort of the peak of his powers now. Like this is like, this is like LeBron 2013 stuff um, for Spo. And, you know, I, I love don't that think comparison, but I don't think he's winning coach of the year. <laughs> I, don't think, I don't, and he doesn't want it. He doesn't want it. The year that George Carl wanted, he didn't want it. Uh, he, he doesn't want it. Cause you get fired when you win it. Um, Although he's, he's not, he's not going to get fired, but, but he has, he has become a a better coach over time. And, and uh, you know, ultimately though, he's going to be judged on what this team does in the postseason because that's the way we do things. All right. want to mention before we go uh, one other place, prizepicks.com use that code five, get in for all the NFL playoff games this week. And of course the NBA games, the heat are back in the middle of this week, use that code five. You'll get your initial deposit match. Thanks to Greg. Sponsored here by Water Cleanup of Florida. Thanks to Brady. Sponsored by Eric Rubenstein. We'll be back tomorrow. Thank you for listening to The Five on the Floor on the Five Regional Sports Network.